0: Hey, Mason. I really need a good gift for my generic loved one. Any ideas?
1: Oh, yeah, Andrew. I have the gift they need. If you sign up for GoDaddy's Economy Blogcast Package, you'll receive 1 gig of disk space, 100 gigs of
2: bandwidth, recording tools, and much more.
0: Whoa! With all those features, I'd guess that kind of package will run me at least $20 a month and be plastered with ads. You're wrong, Andrew. The Blogcast Economy Package is just $449 a month for 12 months. That's a deal, and a perfect way to get your own website, blog, or podcast started.
1: Oh yeah, that is a deal. Plus, enter code Muggle when you check out. Save an additional 10% on any order. Get your piece of the internet at
3: GoDaddy.com. This is, this is Professor McGonagall welcoming you to all to MuggleCast, hoping you enjoyed. They'll be, they'll be coming. Yeah, don't be. Yes, well, I'd just like to say how very pleased I am to introduce MuggleCast to all of you. Thank you, thank you.
2: Because Eric's number crunching makes us go, Huh? This is MuggleCast, episode 144, for May 4th, 2008.
4: Hey guys!
1: Hey, Eric. Hey, Eric.
4: I, I'm looking here at uh, MuggleNet, and I see this release date of November nineteenth, two thousand and ten, for movie seven, part one. Wow,
0: that's a really long time away. <laughs> it is. It's it, it's like two years, Andrew. I misspoke. I should have said far away. <laughs>
4: um. So what what I wanted to say uh, regarding this wonderful long, far away release date is that uh, well. It's a really far time away, and I decided to figure out how far away it actually was. How far away is it, Eric? It is 728 days between film 6 and film 7 part 1, which is exactly twice as long as we had to wait between films 1 and 2. Really? I I
1: feel like I'm in class. I I know. know. Is that, like, exactly down to the day? Will this be on the test? Professor. In fact,
4: in fact it's a 44% increase on wait time for the 7th film's first part than it was for average wait times between films 1 through 6. You lost me at hey guys.
5: Yeah. Yeah. I just pretty much calculated that I'll be almost 22 by the time this is released, so. Ah, uh, you'll be old.
1: <laughs> uh, You're
5: not that far behind me, my friend.
0: Well, uh, speaking of that, <laughs> there's uh, lots of fun news to talk about this week, and we have a ton of emails and um, lots of other fun stuff to get to today. So let's yeah. kick it off. I'm Andrew Sims. I'm Eric Skull.
5: I'm Laura Thompson.
0: I'm Mike Atanamo. And I'm Matthew Britton. Well, as Eric uh, kicked off the show with, Micah, there's some fun news to talk about this week. First, the release date, right?
2: Yeah, as Eric mentioned earlier, the first part of Deathly Hollows is going to be uh, coming out on uh, November 19th of 2010. And uh, as Andrew mentioned in the post on MuggleNet.com, David Heyman mentioned that Part 2 will be released in May of 2011. So, uh, Eric, with all those calculations there, that's a a considerable amount of time to wait between movie six and movie seven, part one, don't you think?
4: I agree, Micah, and just for good measure, because I was really into the maths today, I decided to figure out sort of how it would relate if we received the second part of movie seven in May, and in fact, I realized that... May 13th is a Friday. So, I thought that would be a wonderful date for my hypothetical estimations to say that Books, or sorry, Movie 7, Part 2, would be released Friday the 13th of May 2011, going by David Heyman's words and the idea that Friday the 13th is cool. That said, very interestingly, there are 175 days. Then in that case, between uh, movie seven, part one and movie seven, part two, which is, you guessed it, half the time between films one and two that we had to wait. So we're we're, as far as waiting times go, we are going to have to wait two years and then half a year.
0: Yeah, I mean, Mm. well, first of all, this news isn't really a surprise to anyone. I mean, it was it it was kind of random because like coming soon reported it first at like 3 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Luckily, Matt was checking uh, coming soon at, at midnight his time, and we were the first to post about it. But um, it's not that it, unexpected, really. It's not that big of a news story. I mean, so we don't have to dwell on well, it. We knew it was coming it's, out in November. It's
1: pretty much obvious because every single November release has been released around the same week. Yeah, you're right. Wasn't Gob- Goblet of Fire was released on November 18th of 2005.
0: And I remember the first and second movies, I think, were released on the 21st and the 20th
1: or... Something.
0: No, no, the 16th and the 15th
4: of
1: November. Oh. Yeah, okay. so it's well, it's mid enough. of every November.
0: Yeah. So with that said, I mean, the movies have come out mid-month, too. So, I mean, Order of the Phoenix came out the 13th. Well, you mean the books. No, no. Order of the Phoenix, the movie, came out the 13th. July 13th. What I'm...
1: What I'm really anxious to see is how Harry Potter and the Deathly Hollows, the two-parter, does along um, The Hobbit, part one and part two, because they're both going to be released in the same month. I think they appeal to very different audiences, personally. Really? I mean, they're both fantasy movies. Right,
0: but The Hobbit doesn't really appeal to to kids, whereas Harry Uh, Potter does, I don't think, right?
4: I I don't know. I, I could probably argue with you on that, but... Uh, that's very interesting, Matt, as far as the Hobbits go. I didn't know that they had been confirmed to have release dates.
1: Well, they haven't been confirmed for exact release release dates, but they have been confirmed for which season they're going to be released, and it's the oh, same okay. seasons as Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. Oh. Hmm, that makes my,
2: me nervous. My other question on this, though, is why wouldn't you expand it out a little bit and sort of go with the whole summer movie blockbuster um, scenario? for the second part of Deathly Hollows, Why release it in May?
1: Well, May is usually the start of the summer. May is the new June, Micah. Oh, okay. It kind next of trail. is, almost. But, um, yeah, a, a lot of the movies, either they start in May or they start in July. The big blockbuster movies.
4: Yeah, that's right. And if you're looking at it, I mean, this May, for instance, tomorrow Iron Man comes out. Um, and then Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones, Prince Caspian. Yeah, you know, all the big movies month. sort of
0: uh, are in May's the new June, and right and uh, Ryan and Warner Brothers may have plans for some other movies coming out later that summer too. It's True. Plus, I don't know if you want to make Potter fans wait any any longer than six months for uh, the final film. So, yeah, yeah anything
1: but, longer than six months, people are going to start to lose interest. Yeah. But but what
2: about the time that's in between Half Blood Prince and Deathly Hollows? I mean. Just looking at that, you look at Order of the Phoenix and Half-Blood Prince, there's not a huge gap uh, in between those two films. It's now. With the six and the seven... It's
1: 468 days. Yeah, and it has been longer. pretty... I mean, just the year itself, it's been kind of slow for news anyway.
5: Yeah, what it are we going to do crazy for two, two years. years? That, that
1: is... But I mean, th- There's always been a, a two-year gap every other film, too. So it's not really that big of a difference. It's just a little bit longer than we're used to, by right. just a few months.
4: Kind of. And you have to think, they are producing kind of. They're kind of producing twice as much content.
1: They are.
0: They're going to shoot it all at the same time. So I think yeah. they're going to have both films near completion by the time the first one comes out. Depending on
4: CGI and stuff, they'll obviously well, yeah. have to complete all that. Yeah, for the this, first they're first
1: just one. not going to have any time for rest. its It's not really that... Difficult to do a two, it's basically just a longer film with just by a couple months of personal. Pr- principal photography
4: well so. I mean Micah was right the the uh, The time between what movie five and now when you know how long we're waiting till movie six is actually the second shortest uh, time that we've had to wait now I remember uh, listening to commentary on, on Chamber of Secrets and basically the day after the, the premiere everyone was back in the studio including Chris Columbus and all the uh, lead actors you know basically really heavily working on you know pounding on COS so it was you know that was obviously the fastest Turn and all these movies now are, you know, obviously a lot more complex and and and, and certainly like that. So it's uh, so it's been fast. It'll be tough to wait the uh, the
0: two years. So what else is going on in the news, Mike R? Well, just kinda to wrap that part up, talking
2: about the movies, Order of the Phoenix is going to premiere on HBO on June twenty second.
0: at de
5: do PM. Yay. Yeah. We'll Yay. all be watching yes. for sure.
0: Who cares though? I mean, we all have the DVDs, who cares?
4: well i i care because it reminded me of my favorite one of my favorite micah moments during the news it was one of the uh, first 20 shows i don't know which one but uh micah said uh, or if you have one of the uh, 800 hbo stations it will air several hundred times throughout the month yeah, there you
2: go i do remember
4: that
0: yeah <laughs> no. well that I, I guess the one joke. sort of exciting thing i don't know what kind of difference it'll make but it will be broadcast in hd the show schedule says so uh, maybe it could be a a, a cool thing to see if you don't have blu-ray or hd dvd which i don't think i don't really like, like watching HDTV. harry
1: the harry potter films on on television because they always broadcast them in full screen mode
0: yeah but it did say high definition so i, oh. I think hbo has changed now if you watch hbo hd you'll see why yeah
1: it's i yeah, i kind of agree with that too yeah it doesn't. i wouldn't ABC- i wouldn't mind ABC. um does abc does it. does it they just didn't they just premiere goblet of fire
4: well, don't I think they do the films once a year uncut, like with certain deleted scenes left in? Yeah, that's on right. ABC yeah. Family
1: they do that sort of. And later. they usually do that during we'll the holiday it. season. Yeah. yeah, that's really cool.
2: And of course, the making of as well for the people who missed out on that. I always oh, find that yeah. more interesting
0: than the movie, to be honest. But the order of the Phoenix making of was very, very cool. Everyone was mm-hmm. more excited about seeing that than the trailer because you watch this and it, it had a. It had a ton of cool, cool information. Yeah, they did and go shots. further
1: behind the scenes than any of the other films before. Yeah. It would be kind of cool, though, to see what kind of promos they do on HBO for the film. Because they always do, like, those little teasers and stuff with it.
4: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Speaking of, do we have confirmation on the uh, teaser, whether it'll be in, what, Speed Race? Well, Speed Race is it wasn't in that. No. Do do, do we know if it's going to be with Prince Caspian? No,
0: and apparently some people in WB don't even know. So I don't know what's going on with that. (laughs) If (laughs) you were a betting
2: man, Andrew, you would say that some people at WB... Exactly. If
0: I was a betting man, I would say some people. I I don't know. I haven't I haven't checked. If I was a betting man, I would say I haven't checked in the past week. But it's kind of it's like get on with it already. <laughs> yeah, really?
1: Well, so far this is the first. This is the film that has the the longest uh, wait for a teaser.
0: They're just being mm, a big tease. The
1: WB this. Yeah, yeah, it is. This is the biggest tease. It better be a freaking good trailer too.
5: I can't well, wait for gonna the music. Well, it's going to be a teaser uh, trailer, so there's aren't usually that fantastic. Well, I there is. Mediocrity.
0: There is a um, apparently a leaked script of the trailer. It was floating around on IMDb, and if that's the real trailer, woo Look out! Yeah. It's going to be good. It's, it's be awesome,
1: good. but but uh, they, they never proved to be true anyway. So,
0: well, no, that's not true. I mean, there there uh, there have been leaked copies of, of the Half Blood Prince script leak online that were real. Um. Well, that's true, but so, that's not a
1: trailer. Did you? Get well,
0: one? you know what? What do you think? There's a better chance of leaking online the script or the teaser trailer. I don't know the teaser trailer. I mean, it's got to be viewed by some oh. people by now. You never know. We'll see, though. Micah, what else is going on? What else? Let's see.
2: Um, all the way back on April twenty fifth, uh, Warner Brothers Consumer Products and the Becker Group uh, announced Harry Potter the Exhibition which is going to be a state-of-the-art exhibition highlighting artifacts from the Warner Brothers films based on J.K. Rowling's beloved book series. This is going to be a 10,000-square-foot exhibition, and it's going to start touring in the spring of 2009. So it's going to be How cool is
0: this? This is amazing. This is amazing. Because we've always been wondering, what are they going to do with all the sets and the props and stuff once they're done filming? And here's the answer. They're going to be going on this tour. Well, that reminds me, too. I mean, Uh, The coolest
4: thing about this uh, Exhibition It's supposed to last I think for five years The article said And go to uh, like ten cities Ten major cities around the world Now the cool thing about it Is that they're actually going to be adding props to it As they get done with movies six and seven So it'll be kind of I mean It'll be changing Yeah it'll be changing You know kind of evolving That'll
1: be really cool What are you guys looking forward to see on the exhibition? Ooh well, if you get to, when we get to go. I don't know. Well, <laughs> well, what kind of prop would you like to see
4: from the films? Um, well, Matt, you live in you know where Burbank is. How far are you from Burbank? Not that far. Not that far at all. The Warner Brothers, uh, they the studio lot there. They do a studio tour, and when we were in California the first time for the Podcast Awards in 2006, I went with a few members of Leaky. I actually posed as Ben Shane and uh, went and saw they have a an exhibition there of Harry Potter. Vehicle. Well, first of all, they have the Flying Ford Anglia, which was recovered after it was stolen, and then they have a bunch of props. They have things like like this exhibition. Kind of seems like they would have very similar things, but but obviously, the, you know, it doesn't all fit in Burbank. They they had a whole sort of top floor of a building dedicated to it. And it had costumes and, and wands and certain, you know, artifacts uh, of the like. But um, I, I just think this is going to be much more massive. But uh, that that studio tour does, in fact, exist with uh, Harry Potter props already.
0: Yeah. But, I mean, the yeah. thing about this, is this is dedicated to Harry. 10,000 square feet, that's gigantic. Yeah, that's huge. I'm looking at the teaser site right now, and they have a couple of pictures, which I guess would offer some hints. They have... Uh, the go- They have like a little slideshow playing and they have a picture of the Goblet of Fire, the Marauders map with uh, Harry's glasses and Harry's wand, I guess that is. And they, they have pictures on it from Order of the Phoenix and uh, Goblet of Fire and Prisoner of Azkaban. They have a picture of Buck B coming up. So I think you're going to see all of that. I mean, yeah, I'm that-
1: really excited to see if they have like like the Mirror of Erised, that prop Ooh. in there.
0: Well, see, here's the thing. You know, they have all that. Still. Well yeah, yeah that's so. what I
1: mean. Like uh, knowing from all the props and things they have in all the films, I mean ten thousand square feet. It could is that be how much you, amazing. It's, it's, it really it's, could be it's, amazing. That's like a mile. I know. Right? Here's, the, uh, here's the comparison for me. My
4: apartment is two hundred and fifty square feet. <laughs> so
0: Well, let's put it in perspective something we all know the size of. Like like um Micah, what's the size of like a football field, do you know?
2: A hundred yards no. long. <laughs> Yeah, 100 yards. That's not going to help us in terms of square well, feet, Well,
0: that's though. 300 feet by... Maybe if you keep eating, you'll have the answer for us. What's that? I said maybe if you keep eating, you'll have the answer for us. <laughs> yeah.
5: <laughs> um, well, I have to ask. Um, You said that they showed Buckbeak on there. Didn't they do some animatronic work with Buckbeak in the third film? It wasn't all CGI, was it?
0: Yeah, no. They actually have two Buckbeaks. I was going to say, set.
5: it would be cool if they set one or two of those up in the exhibit and, like, actually yeah. had them moving and stuff. Yeah. That would be really cool.
0: They have, on set, they still have, they have Aragog, Buckbeak, and they have to create real ones because in order for them to turn it into CGI, they have to scan it first. And But they still have to do every little detail of the character. So what you're seeing in the movie was actually physically created first. Yeah. But then it's just... Uh, transformed into to CGI. That's so so cool. there's so much they can do with this and this is so exciting. Really excited. I hope it starts in LA. It has to start in LA, right? <laughs> I mean, where else could it start? Um, the only what, other hint England? was that this company that's working with Warner Brothers is based in Baltimore. So I'm like, oh, oh God, if they start well, in Baltimore. Cool. Like, I know Laura likes that idea. That. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Anyway. Um, but yeah, that's cool. What
2: else is going on, Mike Probably the, the biggest piece of news this week was in the last couple of days. Um, today, actually, when we're recording that Harry Potter has left the New York Times bestseller list for the first time in more than a
0: decade. Well, not more than a, de- um, dec- a decade. It's just, uh, under a decade. But, just under a decade. Just under um, a decade. The most interesting thing about this story is that is is people's reactions? Because if you look at the comments on MuggleNet, <laughs> people are describing it as
1: the end of an era. Um, people, what are, else are people, people saying?
5: Are Well, that's depressing. Stop being so dramatic.
1: It is really the beginning of the end. Yeah, this is
0: the (laughs) beginning of the end. And I knew people were going to say stuff like this. That's why I put at the end. Once J.K. Rowling's Potter Encyclopedia is released, for sure Potter will make a comeback. Oh, yeah. But it's like, come on, everyone. Did you even know it was on the bestseller list? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, if it fell off the list, nobody would have said anything. (sighs) Nobody would have caught at the end. It just wouldn't. Is that
2: the longest running series on the bestseller list it must be it must be yeah. and
0: if you
4: look at what the article is it says it i mean it basically defined three you know One list was created for children's books, which it was pushed off to because they were hogging the adult books list, you know, according to whoever. And then it was hogging the children's list, so they moved it to children's series. They basically created these lists. This article tracks the books sort of through time uh, on on the New York Times lists, and it's really interesting. Good article.
0: Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's it's a shame, but you know. it had to come, as as the blog said. There had to be a time where it would come. And who's buying the Potter books right now? I mean, once you get, uh, just imagine the next next few decades of kids who are going to be introduced to Potter. I mean, it's still selling well, mm-hmm. just not oh yeah, like yeah. crazy like new books are right now. So. It's not the ends. Come
4: on. Well, even the article on, says... Now, this- Relax,
5: people. Yeah, even the article does so say, say... I
4: mean, they're, they say... They predict that when the movie comes out, like when movie six comes out, it might like peek back or pop back in, that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, I
0: can see that. So... I can see that. Yeah. I just wish people wouldn't, wouldn't call it the end. And it's like... It's like, should we even post it on Mogonet? Because you're going to have these people who are like, oh, it's the end. Forget this. I'm not trust. I'm not. I give up. Post it. I'm not. Yeah. No I'm not visiting the fan no sites anymore. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, it's not good that far.
5: Hey, there were people who were, uh, who were saying that right before the seventh book came out, too. Oh, we were yeah. saying
2: that, too. Well, why don't you look at it as the fact that it was up there for a decade? Ten years? Yeah, come yeah, on. Well, you know, I... Don't look at the downside yeah. of it. Look at the upside exactly. of it and the fact that it's probably the longest-running series ever on that New York Times bestseller list. The so.
0: glass is half full, right, Mike? <laughs>
2: Exactly. I mean,
4: we have hope. We have all these new release dates. We have, I mean, if you look at it, both the, I mean, the books uh, lasted ten years uh, from 1997 to 2007, and the movies are going to last ten years too, from 2001 to 2011. So, Mm -hmm. big strong periods of time.
0: And uh, speaking about that, there's some theme park news, right, Micah? Yeah, there is some theme park news. Hogsmeade is starting to be built
2: at the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. I know it's very exciting. All right, let's move on.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, there's not much to say here, but it is the first physical. So much to see, either. Well, there's yeah, <laughs> but it's the first physical piece of the theme park. It's the first yeah, distinct yeah, yeah. I mean, there's going to be so many pictures flying around of construction over the next year or two. Oh yeah, it's going to be like we're going to go there and be like, Pfft, so what? <laughs> We've seen it a whole million yeah. times already. <laughs> They should shroud the whole thing in a giant tent. (laughs) Now, that would be cool. That would be exciting. (laughs) Pictures (laughs) of the giant tent. (laughs) But it's interesting. We've been receiving a few rumors about the theme park. Uh, One, that's interesting, saying that the entire Lost Continent area will close in early 2009 to make room for the Wizarding World so it can be a little bigger. Um. And what's in the Lost Continent? Is yeah, I was just going to ask Laura because you've been the Universal, right?
5: Yeah. Um, it's just... The reason why I think they're using it is, honestly, the pre-existing structures of the area will be very easy to transform mm-hmm. into the whole Harry Potter thing, just because it's all very... It actually reminds me a lot of Lord of the Rings, to be mm-hmm. honest. It's not specifically tailored that way, because obviously they couldn't, but just like the way it's built and... The very, like, the, the just the whole fantasy atmosphere of it really screams Lord of the Rings. So I think that's why they're using it. Um, but what's there right now is the Dueling Dragons, which is a roller coaster. Um, and that,
0: let me just stop you for a second. That one, yeah. it, it seems like it's definitely going to be converted to Potter. That's what all the rumors are saying. Good, so. because
5: that is an awesome roller coaster, I will say. <laughs> cool. So I'm really glad they're using that still. And then there's also, um, I believe... This is part of that same part. It's an Atlantis type thing where you go inside of this huge castle, but it's really lame cuz it's just like a show and you stand there and watch and it's it's stupid. Is it
0: the Voyage of Sinbad?
5: No, that's actually okay. a show thing. Yeah. I think. And
0: there's a, there's a, there was another rumor sent into us saying that that was going to be converted into a Potter show too.
5: I wouldn't be surprised. I mean. So. It's just like a show arena. I mean, they wouldn't have to do that much to it.
0: We'll see what happens. We'll keep you updated, ladies and gents. That's all the news. That's all the news. Thanks, <laughs> Micah. Um, some other announcements. Uh, it is now May. Happy May, everyone.
5: Yay! Don't Yay! forget, uh,
0: before I get to the announcements, Andrew Sims's 19th birthday bash is showing up is is as soon, May 23rd. Please mail all of your money to the P.O. Box. We'll get to that later. <laughs> you mean... <laughs> yeah,
5: that, and right. I know mean,
0: people actually will. <laughs> yeah. I
5: will accidentally forget to uh, mail it to you.
0: Just hold oh, on to ooh. it. Laura, that's that's illegal. If the mail's addressed to me and you open it, maybe that's, that's illegal. <laughs> maybe anyway. <laughs> so, because it is a new month, don't forget to vote for us on Podcast Alley. It's MuggleCast May, so you have to vote. Um, also, a, a new thing here. Uh, some of you may have heard of Twitter. It's an it's a growing online community where you just, it's like Facebook statuses, only you update it frequently. You can only write in 140 characters per update. And MuggleCast has a Twitter now, so you can follow this Twitter, and you'll be updated on when there are new episodes of the show released, and also when we will be doing live shows, live on the internet. So if you want to be updated and hear about the latest MuggleCast news as soon as we know it, then follow the MuggleCast Twitter account. It's twitter.com slash MuggleCast. You can get a free account at twitter.com. And uh, follow Matt and I, too. We like being followed on Twitter. Yeah. Are, are
1: you guys on Twitter yet? No. Yeah, you guys no.
0: got to get with it. Um, Come on, it's the latest internet craze. Somebody told me they tweeted
4: Twitter, tweeted MuggleCast Twitter, and I was like, I miss tweeting. Yeah, Bird. it's,
0: um, it, it tweet is the new, like, I'm going to Google that. You can be like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to tweet. About that, wow! So it's Twitter tweet. Yeah, I don't. I don't like tweet very well. Mason thought mm-hmm. of Twitch. Like, I will Twitch you later, dude. But I, don't
4: know. I can totally see Mason doing that.
0: Yeah. All right. So that's all for announcements. Let's move on to Muggle Mail now. Who wants to take the first one?
4: First Muggle Mail comes from Alyssa, age sixteen, of New York, Schenectady, New York. Really? Can you say <laughs> that again?
2: Yes, yeah. Schenectady, dude. Sch- Upstate New York area code. No, you'll like the area code. Okay? This is a this is a Jeopardy trivia useful knowledge piece of information okay. sort of thing. Schenectady area code 12345.
4: Nice. Wow.
5: That's cool. Wow. Wow.
4: So Alyssa from Schenectady, New York, area code 12345, thanks Micah, says, hey Mogocasters, your last poll about who would be interested in extending Pickle Pack seemed to have a lot of people who did show interest. But then on your last episode, you said how Pickle Pack had ended. So does that mean there will definitely not be a Pickle Pack extension? I started listening to your show about six months ago, so I never got to participate and would really enjoy it being opened up to everyone for a short time more. So basically, I'm just wondering if Pickle pack is dead or not thanks Alyssa.
0: well we're not accepting new subscriptions we decided against that we did but um mm-hmm. current pickle pack members do still have yeah. access to pickle pack and occasionally we'll be making little updates um but yeah sorry no um we're not opening it up for another year or six months so yes yeah, sorry mm-hmm. <laughs> matt you want to take the next muggle mail this is your uh sort of your yeah forte okay
1: my forte. Should
0: I say screw up, Tay?
1: (laughs) Okay, our next Muggle Mail comes from Carrie Simpson, 31, of St. Louis, Missouri, and Carrie writes, Hi! Hi! During episode, oh, hi! During episode number 143, you were talking about how once the trio exited the dragon and made it sure that Harry began placing it placing protective charms around their camp for the first time, and that he was probably doing so because Hermione was a little emotional. I hate to say this, but you were wrong. He actually places the charms earlier in the book. In Chapter 16, Godric's Hollow, the day following Ron's departure, is actually Harry's first time placing the charms. The reason for him doing it, though, are the same, because Hermione is too emotional at the time. Keep up the good discussion. I'm sorry! Okay, I did... A boo-boo. It's okay. A mistake. We all make the boo-boos. A boo-boo. <laughs> boo-boo. Micah,
0: you want to take the next one? Uh, sure. Um, the next muggle mail comes from
2: Catherine A. Thomas, 34, of Caseyville, Illinois. Get, get her credentials yeah, seriously, in seriously, man.
0: It- she's, she's an official. Sorry.
2: <laughs> Catherine A. Thomas, RPR, CSR-IL, CCR-MO. And she's 34, from Caseyville, Illinois, and she's writing in about court transcripts. She says hi, Mugglecasters. Longtime listener, first time emailer. I thought I'd pipe up as it relates to how court transcripts are produced. I'm a court reporter, and it is we who produce trial transcripts. We are certified professionals who write every word of a trial or deposition proceeding as it occurs and produce the legal transcript, which is the accurate, true, verbatim, and especially authoritative record of the proceedings. We have to have vocabularies that surpass the dictionary and reflexes that allow us to write 225 plus words a minute on our stenotype machines. This same technique is used for live closed captioning. So no, it was not some intern who made up the transcript. I know my profession is not as well known as others. However, to me, that's kind of like asking if a pre-med student performs someone's bypass surgery. (laughs) I love my work and I highly recommend court (laughs) reporting to anyone who loves the English language and wants a job where no two days are the same and you meet people from all walks of life, even famous authors of amazing books. And if I may fangirl a bit, I love your show. I wish I could have seen you all when you came to St. Louis. Ditto to the previous emailer who said Micah had a gorgeous voice, Laura Rocks, and I love hearing Andrew introduce the
0: email of the day.
1: (laughs) 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 Micah, that was
2: a
0: really good impression. Yeah, Micah, you should start doing it. Yeah, maybe I yeah, we have uh, one this week, so you can do it. What a job, so that, though. Yeah. What a job. I would... yeah hundred twenty. That would be such a cool Wouldn't that job. Wouldn't be cool if they pay you per word <laughs> or something? <That's> <laughs> Just, like, make up extra stuff. That's a... <laughs> wow. That What a... Seriously. I'd it's, love to see, like, a story
2: on... Really cool, because, yeah. I, I mean, when I was in court... At the end of the year, beginning of January, when I was on jury duty, you just see these people sitting there. They're typing away, typing away, Mm -hmm. and then the judge or somebody else needs something read back to them. It's just amazing how they can sit there and read this really thin piece of paper and repeat everything that was just
0: said. Wow. Wow. So, so thanks, Catherine. Props to you for your sorry, job.
2: Did me to uh yeah. call you an intern.
0: That that was partially my fault because I was like, Duh, who does it? Is it like some student? <laughs> but I'm sorry. I mean, I was just wondering
2: still how Stanford got a hold of it. And I tried emailing her back to ask her that question and uh for some reason the email didn't work, but how would you know Stanford as opposed to another law school say get a hold of the
0: transcript? Maybe it's someone who works for Stanford.
2: But not an intern. Possible.
0: Yeah. <laughs> not an intern, yeah. No, it's a serious professional. So, yeah. Anyway, next email. Laura, want to take it.
5: Our next muggle mail comes from Becky, age older than Nicholas Flamel. Her words, not mine. She's from Australia. She says, Why didn't it occur to Voldemort that other people besides him could work out how to get into the r- room of requirement? When Harry went in, there were so many lost belongings there, and surely most of it was already there when Voldemort was a student. So he was quite silly to assume that he would be the only one to, e- to ever gain access to the room. It just seems so ridiculous because people and house elves have even managed to find the room just by accident. Whereas with the other hiding places, as well as the Chamber of Secrets, you need specific skills, knowledge, or abilities to to get in voldemort also didn't bother hiding the diadem he placed it on top of the cupboard rather than in it so what do you guys think about this
4: i agree it's a bit of an oversight on voldemort's part again um this one is particularly i mean this one i think is one of the worst oversights of 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 his thing i mean and and this this voicemailer really does or sorry this this Uh, Becky here does, uh, give a a really good reason, um, for him to have noticed that it wasn't just him who found the place because of all the other, uh, people's stuff that was there. Um, and if you recall the exact term, uh, in Half-Blood Prince when Harry found that room was, I need a place to stash my book, or "I, I need a place to store my book, something like that. And so... He basically, um, you know, found this room where, where pretty much anyone, I guess, if you needed a hiding place for something, for an item, that's where you'd find it. So, uh, Becky, has a really good point here.
5: I think it's simply arrogance on Voldemort's part. To be perfectly honest, yeah. I mean, he—I mean, just the fact that he was hiding it in Hogwarts to begin with is a bit stupid. But I, I, I mean, because they he, mentioned he, it. Yeah, he probably just thought that there were so many other things in here that it would be impossible for anyone to even find this. And this was also at a time when he thought no one would even find out about his horcruxes. Right.
2: So it would just be another item sitting there that nobody would take any notice of. But, I mean, it's also kind of, you know, somebody mentioned arrogance, but it's also, uh, I would say, a a means of triumph for him because he would be hiding something in a place where, you know, really nobody would suspect it. But I also think in a way that he would see himself uh, overcoming Dumbledore. Interesting. Um, yeah. Just by having it yeah. in that place,
1: yeah. Just self satisfaction knowing that it's under their nose the whole time when mm, they're looking right. for totally. yeah.
4: it. That's a good point with all the other objects too. And and I, you know, actually, this may be a you know a, a big problem for Voldemort uh, that he didn't hide it better. But I think probably the coolest connection between Harry and Voldemort is that they both ran and ran and ran and ter- ended up turning down the same aisle and going to the same cupboard to store whatever it was they were trying to hide. Because wasn't it the same exact cupboard that Harry put the book in, that, Voldem- that, the, that was where the uh, diadem was? It's I don't know. It's the next know. chapter, but I'm almost positive because that's how Harry and, recognizes. Uh, and, and he read says, half of oh, the prints. There was a there was a tiara in there, so that's really you know I think that's really cool. Well, how does both- it mention
2: it in Half Blood Prince?
4: Um, I you know I think it does. I think there's just a there's a, something died in a cage, and I think a tiara, but um, I, I'd have to uh, have to be sure, I have to go back. But mm-hmm. it's next chapter.
1: Anyway. Wouldn't it be cool if Joe mentions? um in her encyclopedia, um, what was the um, the time frame and an order of how, he, how Voldemort made the Horcruxes? Yeah, like
0: the story and them. who he killed yeah. for
1: each one. Because he, because you got to wonder when he did all this. Like, I it's pro- the, um, the 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 diaries. Obviously, the first one
2: she did reveal who he killed. She didn't reveal the time frame though.
1: Who he killed for each one?
2: Yeah. She did. Oh. Yeah, that
1: was at one of the... Uh,
4: yeah, remember there was
2: like a...
0: Oh, that's right, yeah.
2: An, an Albanian oh, whore or something like that. Yes. That one just sticks out to me. <laughs> the Albanian whore? I don't... Actually, I <laughs> wonder why.
5: Well, you do like goats, my so. Yeah, because, uh, yeah, you know,
2: oh. Albanian <laughs> whores and goats are just they so... They fit
4: perfectly. Uh, yeah, I think Matt's right about that, Um, uh, you know, kind of... Over overlapping time How it would be great for Joe just to go back And kind of just make it clear exactly When he did the things in what order Because I mean even back in Chamber of Secrets I mean she knows because even back in Chamber of Secrets She was you know he gave a little bit of history The uh, diary riddle Gave a little bit of history like in my fifth year I found this you know and and That was obviously continued on in book Six when you know we're following Voldemort through his early teens so uh, It'll be cool to see the definitive account Once Joe writes that
2: I have have the list if you want it, or we don't have to go through it, I guess. And go ahead. Read it real fast for everyone. So for the, uh, the, the Gaunt's Ring, he killed Tom Riddle Sr. Mm-hmm. We know that. Tom Riddle's Diary, he killed Moaning Myrtle. We know that. Helga Hufflepuff's Cup, he killed Hepsiba Smith. We know that. Slytherin's Locket, he killed a muggle tramp. Um, Rowena Ravenclaw's Diadem, Diadem. He killed an Albanian peasant. And for Nagini, he killed Bertha Jorkins.
0: Nagini. Yeah. Okay. Well, the next email comes from Stacy B22 of Baltimore. Wouldn't it be cool if JKR made a cameo on the last movie. Like maybe she's some random character, random muggle on Tottenham Court Road or some random witch at the wedding or at Gringotts. Like she won't be shown enough to be an important character, but enough to know that it's her. That'd be so cool.
4: I heard a so- rumor. That Joe was the uh, woman who harasses Harry in Nocturne Alley in Chamber of Secrets. Um, it kind of looks like that could be her, but I think... I think we would have known that by now, though. Yeah, we, we would have known by now. That was a now, almost. rumor at one point that someone around me had dispelled at the time. I mean, I, I think we used to get emails about that. I never heard of yeah. that rumor I, before.
0: I always, um, I always thought she looked like Harry's mother in the Sorcerer's Stone flashback. Like that the woman who plays her kind of looks like Joe. Mm.
5: Yeah, she, she does. does. I know. But, but obviously, it's same So
4: but... obviously, since then, that disappeared appeared. That's what I like about them. Yeah, it is. That they had uh, kept all the actors and actresses. I'm saying it was the same actress. Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: Next email.
1: Our next email comes from Ida, 22 of Norway, and she writes: Hi, I was just wondering about the unicorn blood. Was it actually Voldemort who drank the blood, or was it Quirrell? Thank you for a great podcast. I love you. you make my day. It's actually my mistake um or or kind of mistake' cause,
4: um we were talking about uh, somehow we got on to the uh topic of uh Voldemort and you know the drinking of the unicorn's blood to see if that was ever gonna play out in the books and I said it didn't um but I think she's right here that it was you know it was basically Quirrell uh who drank the blood and and you know it doesn't have to be. Therefore, it's not really a book mistake at all. It's just, you know, it's uh, less likely that Voldemort would have to carry that burden around. Yeah.
1: And it's mm-hmm. and it's a movie mistake on my part. I was going based off the the movie and because it seemed like in the movie it was a spirit that attacked Harry because it was just floating.
5: Yeah. And
1: we know that Quirrell's a body and also um, the... The the cloaked figure in the movie flew away, and we know that only Voldemort knows how to fly by himself. Hmm. So that's why I thought it was Voldemort.
2: And then, yeah, there was one thing I screwed up last week, too, that a bunch of people wrote in about, and it was in reference to the Horcruxes and the number that Harry should have realized. But actually, when he had the conversation with Dumbledore and Half-Blood Prince, as a bunch of people pointed out Dumbledore only mentioned there being six. And that the seventh piece resided in Voldemort and that Voldemort himself was unaware that he had made Harry a Horcrux as well at that point. So that was my mistake.
0: Whoopsies. So it's time to move on to chapter by chapter this week. We're gonna talk about chapter twenty eight, The Missing Mirror. It's another relative already? Yeah. It's another relatively short chapter, um but it's really exciting and this is a really another really big movie chapter, I think. This whole book is just fantastically mm-hmm. written for the movie. Um, so, do we want to start with a short little summary? I thought as a fun game, what we could start doing is doing like a five second summary. So, whoever's doing the short summary this week, you have to do it in five seconds. Five seconds. That's... Okay. How intense. ten seconds? Almost impossible. Yeah. Five seconds is possible. It. Yeah, okay. I get, I I'll, 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 I'll take that bait, Andrew. All right, Eric. All right. On three. Ready? One... Two, three, go.
4: Alarm, alarm. Potter, he's here, he's here. I was putting the cat out, you
0: numbskulls. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that was pretty good. That was exactly five seconds. That was so seconds.
1: reminiscent of the Pirates of the Caribbean ride at Disneyland.
0: That was exactly five seconds, too. All right, Eric, good job.
1: Uh, um
0: that,
1: That's like, uh,
4: remember that, um, what was that segment where I had to improvise something? And you did high, that same thing? Yeah, that was, uh, no, no, that was that a was, short summary, too. Huh, I'm or just I'm just kind of freaking out. That was really intense. Okay, I'm done. Yeah. Are you okay? You yeah, yeah, i good. Then? i just, you know, okay. hard racing and stuff. i got an inhaler, Do Eric, water? if you need it. Do you need to sit down? Yeah, I'm going to get a drink, actually. but um, No, I'm not going to over milk it. Actually, can you cut out all of this? It's just milking
0: it and milking it. Yes.
4: Thank you for your appreciation. I'm going to get a drink. I'll be right back.
0: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he actually hurt himself. I like, <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> all right, so... They go into Hogsmeade, and immediately, there's a deafening scream of alarm sounds, and it, it's just chaos right from the start of the chapter, right, Matt?
1: Oh, yeah. it's Everything's going horribly wrong all, already. So, you know, they're like, oh, crap.
0: And they think they got him. They, they, uh, one of the Death Eaters goes, Akio cloak, cloak, hoping it comes off. But why doesn't it come off? Is it... Is there... Does anyone know why? It's a magical it's a object. Yeah, it's an it's...
1: actual invisibility cloak that no magic can it's the the invisibility yeah cloak. So is that like,
5: why it can't be taken laura i think so because they were talking about how this one was particularly unique because they mentioned something about there being other invisibility cloaks made but like over time they would fade and oh, they right, wouldn't right. they wouldn't maintain the same power that this one had but yeah. i think this one was and made if- from such properties that it couldn't be affected
1: yeah. And this is old magic too. Mm-hmm. I mean this is ancient, you know, beginning of the wizarding w- world. Yeah. I guess. It's not even
4: necessarily old magic. I mean it's death's it, it I'm sorry, the uh, the the fairy tale describes it as death's invisibility cloak. It's how death hid from people, you know, until yeah. it was time to kill them. So it might not even be magic at all. Like, I mean it, I mean obviously it is, but it, it could be something, you know, with life and death far more mystical even.
1: It's like a neutral
6: yeah.
4: thing. Like, it's a tool. Yeah. You know? yeah, if it's Death's Invisibility Cloak, it's not something Human Enchanted or demigods or anything like that. It's much more powerful.
1: I guess we could just call it, like, a shield against magic, too. Now, Accio free! Like, Ho! Well, like me, oh, y- you wonder, if, 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 if it doesn't work on Accio, maybe if, like, a spell hits them, it bounces off or it doesn't I affect don't know. them? Maybe? Be-
4: actually, I think J.K.R. should write about that, because I always wondered, well... As they get older and taller, you know, and their feet slip out from underneath and stuff, couldn't they cast engorgio on the invisibility cloak or, or you know, do some kind of modification to make it bigger, you know? But, but if, if you know, that's a good question, I guess, because this spell repelled off them. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Well, it, it didn't even repel. I think it just—it's—it's it's almost like they, they don't even exist. Like, it, so it's—it's it's probably not even not. I don't really know how to get. Well, I think- dwell an okay any more comparison into it than Remember said.
4: when uh, Dumbledore and uh, Harry are in the lake, uh, or, sorry, the underground lake thing, and, uh, or, sorry, no, the cave. When Dumbledore and Harry are in the cave, and uh, Harry says, Accio, you know, uh, Horcrux, and something happens. Nothing really happens, but, you know, something jumps out of the lake, that sort of thing. Well, in this case, nothing happened at all. The, the cloak is basically unsummonable.
1: It's untraceable, mm-hmm. too. But didn't um, the Mad-Eye Moody imposter know? And didn't Dumbledore oh, know that's Harry and Ron were hiding the under the cloak? The map mm-hmm.
4: can, can uh, detect people, no matter if they're under that cloak or not. Interesting. So
2: well, be- I, th- I was always under the impression that the reason the imposter Moody knew he was there was because he got stuck in the step. And so... Mm. N- yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah.
4: Yeah, 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 I do. And then there's
5: yeah, he got stuck in the step and he dropped yeah. the egg and all that stuff.
2: I think Dumbledore is just powerful. I mean that that's what it comes down to, and he just maybe because he was so into the Hollows, he was aware when it was being used around him. I mean, I don't know.
1: Yeah, I mean he's he
4: had it that he's, entire yeah, he's time. had time too. to examine it, and several times uh, throughout the books, Harry believed that Dumbledore could see in you know through the cloak, even which we don't know if that's true, but.
2: Possible, but uh, also remember he knew that Harry had the cloak. Mm-hmm. He gave th- it to begin him. with. Yeah. So and he knew the type of person that Harry was in the sense of always sneaking out. And so when he's in Hagrid's hut and you know the the minister shows up with Lucius Malfoy, I mean, uh, I just have a feeling that that Dumbledore knew a whole lot more than he let on.
0: Um, oh yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, definitely. So anyway, chaos is erupting. In Hogsmeade, and it's a really action-packed scene. There's, they're trying to, they're trying to uh, reveal Harry, Ron, and Hermione, and then this just, you know, it's just one of those things. I guess maybe it was just a panic reaction, but Aberforth, without knowing it's Aberforth, um, they're called into, like, they go into this dark corner, and Aberforth says, "Come in here, Potter, quick." And they don't even know it's Aberforth. So my question is, why would they trust someone when they hear that? Is it just like the immediate reaction? Is yeah. it you're you're just looking for? a well, yeah.
1: I think it's, yeah, it's definitely I mean, just like an alternate. impulse. But wouldn't
0: the Death Eaters be like smart? Couldn't they they have they've been smart enough to set a trap up like that where there's people like waiting?
1: If
5: there was. In the depths If of... they were, Andrew. Maybe they did and they just got lucky. I mean, they were
0: waiting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I know they just got lucky, but just for argument's sake, I just Well, think for it's... argument's sake, Andrew, I mean, if you want to look
4: at it, if a Death Eater was smart enough to be- I mean, there's 50 Death Eaters coming at you from all directions saying, you know, the alarm, it was over here, I saw him, he's here. And then somebody opens a door and says, quick, get in. You know, if that was a Death Eater, You're they deserve to. to get caught because I mean, the whole deal is—you know—it's th- not just even instinct. It's just you know, it's so starkly uh, contrasting to to yeah. anything anyone else is doing. I mean, if someone says "get in," I would trust it no matter what, implicitly and, and wholly. And you know, if it turned out to be a Death Eater, that would that would be unfortunate.
1: So a- after uh, Harry and the tr- and the other two go into. Um, They find out it's the hogshead that they're inside, and they hear um, the uh, the voice say, "Keep your cloak on, Harry," or "or keep your cloak on, boy." And I thought that was pretty reminiscent of Dumbledore in um, Half Blood Prince when he kept telling Harry to keep his cloak on. Yeah,
4: did you kind of see kind of reminiscent?
1: And after all, he is Dumbledore's
4: brother. Well, yeah, exactly. So. I mean, it's it's revealed almost as you know, as soon as they get in here, um, that even the namesake of the chapter, the missing mirror, uh, Harry discovers that uh, Aberforth has the mirror, which was Sirius's um, the other half, or sorry, a copy, the 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 other partner of the uh, mirror that Harry had, and uh, you know, consequently broke, but the mirror which he's been seeing a blue eye. That he thought was Albus Dumbledore's, and, and you know, in fact, it's Aberforth, his brother Dumbledore's. So I, I thought that was an awesome connection. That, well, and you know, in fact, he, you know, he's had this overlying confusion about Dumbledore and whether or not he's even dead. And really, he's just been seeing Aberforth, and that's that's really cool. So really, Harry was right.
1: I mean, yeah, it he was, did it see Dumbledore. Dumbledore, he just didn't see Albus. Yeah, right, right, right. So we see Aberforth going um out of the Hogshead to um. Argue with the the Death Eaters. God, for. I
0: loved this. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, This this was really fun. It's almost like one of those old geezers across yeah, the street exactly. or something who like yell at the kids to get off their lawn. <laughs> so,
0: this is this is the part I'm talking about just for the movies because his comebacks are so quick. It, it, it's almost like he thought about this, even though it was very unexpected. Aberforth wasn't expecting them at all. It was, I mean, you know, he had to think really fast on his feet to come mm-hmm. up with these and he lucked out that it turns out his Patronus is a goat and he was convincing the Death Eaters that what well, the Patronus that was actually sent to fight off the Death Eaters was actually a goat, so, even though it was Harry's
1: Yeah, stag. well, and, and he was and Aberforth, I mean, he he was threatening the Death Eaters, too. Yeah, he I was. Mean, he's, he's like saying, surprised are you me? Because why didn't me? they
0: just kill him?
1: <laughs> well, uh, because he knew he was um, uh, he knew he was uh, useful to them. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they needed Arbor uh, Forth. They needed the Hogshead, because you know that's how they get fed.
0: Oh, yeah, that's true.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm. And it's the
1: passageway to Hogwarts.
5: Mm.
4: Well, no. But they didn't know they were going to get fed when they entered the room either. But, um, I mean, the, the, there's a question in the rightly here. It says that, you know, were the Death Eaters a uh, little... To, actually, I should stop calling it the rightly, because Google bought it about three years ago. But um, it, it asks if the Death Eaters were a little too thick to believe Aberforth, but, you, you know, they seem to dismiss the whole situation pretty quickly. But, I mean, I think as Aberforth, you know, he knew what to threaten, and, uh, you know, he basically said, why don't you call your Dark Lord here and, you know, answer to him when it turns out not to be Potter. You know, he's really sly, really quick, really, you know, kind of pressing and, and really working with their emotions. He's, he's kind of a manipulator, at least a little bit, and he's not that unlike. Like his brother, I guess, in that way. I mean, you know, to varying degrees.
1: But I, I liked that scene a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and Aberforth was really giving them um, excuses that were really, you know, very simple and, you know, unimportant. That if, you know, they did call Voldemort and it turned out to be true, you know, the, the Death Eaters would get, you know, a real lashing for it. Like he was walking his cat. Like they called Voldemort because they heard because they thought v- Potter was here, but it was really someone walking there. Yeah. But if
0: they actually did call Voldemort, wouldn't Voldemort be able to tell that Harry was in the area? Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. So, like, mm-hmm. what would happen if the Death Eaters actually did call? Him? That's what, such a what huge What would risk, though, been, I think
5: would have been screwed.
1: Yeah. yeah, their orders are Th- they would they would not call Voldemort unless they yeah, had think about what concrete happened. evidence. Us, um, <laughs> you yeah. know, everybody died yeah, so. yeah. except Bellatrix and, and need Lucius. to be a little
2: bit. Smarter, I think. I, you know, I could actually see uh, Brendan Gleason doing a really good job as Aberforth in this part. But Yeah. Brendan Gleason? Yeah.
4: He played Mad Eye Moody. I,
2: yes. Really? It was super cool, I though. No, no I seriously, I man. Thought,
4: I thought you said they cast him as Aberforth or whatever, but no, no, you did see he, him as Mad
2: Eye Moody. I could see him playing this role. Okay. In, in I, I'm forgetting sorry. he would have played Mad Eye Moody. Already, I could see him sort of as the old man, you know, like like Matt was saying before, kind of get off my lawn, or you know.
4: I think I think I was trying to. I, I mean, I think I made that connection without even thinking about it. You you really brought it out. He does remind me of him.
0: You know who else could be good? Maybe this is pushing it a little too bit, and he's dead, so that would be even worse. But Peter Doyle, he's sort of cranky, mm-hmm. and um, well, he's he not big enough. So that's Michael sure. Gambon.
1: Do you think they're going to keep the um the same actor as Aberforth? They, they should. No, Aberforth? no way. Why not? David Why Yates wouldn't they David keep
4: Yates them? is keeping himself as director and the same musical composer and all the all
1: the actors When they when they
0: them. cast this guy to play Aberforth, they just needed a a, a, a figure. Yeah. They needed a, yeah. an illustration so to speak. They didn't need for, a...
1: for this for this big a character, they're going to have to get a well-known I actor. I don't know about that. How many more I well- don't think he's actors, that big there? of a character. Well, it I don't know because he has a foreground I mean he has he has a foreground I mean they had Julie Christie playing um Madame uh, or Madame Rosemurda and she was only in one scene and Julie Christie is a huge actress yeah.
5: yeah they tend to cast very major actors and actresses in these adult roles no matter how small would, they are yeah,
1: I would not be surprised if they cast a very distinguished actor to play well, who's to say they one. haven't already who
4: played him in Order of the Phoenix do you know
0: no, I don't. That's I'm, I'm looking it up right now. Yeah. I really don't think it was a well-known guy. And I don't he's even, not even listed. Because he, ha-
1: he barely had one line, and it was in the background.
0: He's credited... Jim McManus is who plays uh, Aberforth, and he's credited as the barman. He's not even yeah, credited as Aberforth. Yeah, I was going to say that. Uh,
2: I didn't think he is credited, because I did a search in IMDb for Aberforth Dumbledore, which you can yeah. usually do by character, and nothing came up. So that should be a little bit of a hint right there, that unless it was more of a they didn't want anybody to know yet because they're kind of following the books in the sense that nobody really knows that that's
0: Aberforth. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah. It's kind of, well, too. It's yeah. enigmatic. And, and I mean, he isn't really Aberforth yet. You're right. And, but, but you know, all the diehard fans <laughs> would see this goat and Aberforth walking after it. It was hilarious. And it was, you know, one of those really funny things that I liked about movie five. Um, Jim McManus has lots of extensive credits here, running back down to. But
0: they're all T. I'm looking at them too, and they're all T.V. shows. That doesn't mean he can't. Act. I think Order of the Phoenix is his first movie. Mm, that's true. I see one movie here. He played a chef. And Mr. Critchley. And another. And Dangerous Lady. Ma- something in Machine.
1: Yeah, yeah. It has to be a more distinguished actor to play that. I mean, he, they have. He ha- he's going to be telling the story of what happened to his family. Of the Dumbledore family.
0: Um. Back to chapter by chapter. Um. <laughs> Another question Matt raises is: Can Michael Gambon be a better Aberforth than Dumbledore? <laughs> um, I think, <laughs> I think you
1: know <laughs> Matt. That's not a, yeah, it is too I late, but that that's not a bad idea because he is so cranky. Well, yeah, he is a feisty Dumbledore, and yeah. we see Aberforth as more of the cranky, more um, I guess you could say emotional of the yeah. of the two brothers.
5: I guess. I mean, you know, I'm going to disagree with this because I love Michael Gambon, but I don't particularly see him as playing a cranky Dumbledore. And I know Mike is going to come out and like try to take a lash at me for this. There were definitely some lines where he came across as cranky, but that's not Gambon's fault. He didn't write the script. And I think overall, he's played a very quirky, very interesting Dumbledore character. I really see the twinkle in his eye.
1: Well, it, so. uh, yeah, that's what they you know talk what about glasses. in the
5: books, and that's what I see. Don't- uh,
1: that's just bad lighting, Laura.
2: <laughs> that's probably his glazed-over look from not knowing how to act.
5: <laughs> oh, <that's horrible. laughs> no, no,
4: Laura, I would agree with you in movie look, five.
1: I was impressed with Gambit in movie five, that's uh, all I'll say. The only thing I did not like, like a- of his acting was when he said... You'll have studying to do. Oh yeah, well that was just a wrong line. But
5: again, that's not his fault. He didn't well, write the script.
2: I'll <sighs> say this, and it's been brought up every single time I think we've had this conversation, <laughs> is that when the role is initiated by another actor, it's very hard to replace, regardless. And it's it's just like you, you look at any of your favorite TV shows. If you know so and so plays the role for X number of years, and then all of a sudden they bring in somebody else, yeah. you know, you're, you can have a much higher level of opinion of the person that they bring in because they have to meet certain expectations.
0: So back on the chapter by chapter, we learn a <laughs> couple of things from Aberforth. One, that Harry and Grop are hiding in a cave. And we also learn that Dobby... Um, we learn that Aberforth was the one who sent Dobby. right? And Aberforth was saddened to hear that Dobby died because he said that he liked he him. I like that elf. Which is sort of a sad little moment there. But, um, I mean, do we want to talk about Hagrid? Has... Uh, has he been in seclusion the whole time? I mean, Aberforth himself said that he went to hide as soon well, as... Well, he threw a party. Um, <laughs> Support Harry party. They were yeah. searching for him.
1: At least we know where Hagrid is, though. I mean, because I don't know about you guys, but I never even thought about Hagrid very much until he was mentioned at this part of the book. I did, because yeah. I was hoping to
0: see him. I love Hagrid.
1: Oh, I love Hagrid, too, but I mean, I was... I was in the in the heat of the moment when I was reading the book. We I never stopped to go.
0: Where's Hagrid?
1: <laughs> you know what's interesting though.
4: I think the cave there was the same cave Sirius was in. Do you remember that one when the in in book four? Uh,
0: How do you know it's the same? Cave? Well, I
4: mean, there's a cave on a hill outside of Hogsmeade. I, I, you know, I just assumed that it was the same one that Sirius had held it. You know, the, the trio was we even went to that cave uh, in in book four. Do you guys remember that?
1: Yeah, when they I were mean, visiting yeah. Hogsmeade,
5: I think you're right. I feel like at some point, didn't Hagrid hide there at another point too? Yeah, after after book five, wasn't it? Yeah, when yeah he ran
1: away? and I feel
5: like he said it was the same cave Sirius hid in. So it, it's it's possible. It be the same I mean, one again.
1: Well, heck, why not? You know,
4: <laughs> why not? I mean, it just seems like one of those things Joe would do. Oh, he's hiding in a cave over the hill. You know, that's <laughs> let's just thing. throw him in a cave. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know that grow up would fit in a cave, but anyway, I guess that's yeah. anyway. So Aberforth tells the story of, and he basically clears up a lot of the mysteries surrounding what exactly happened to Ariana, because Harry points out there's a painting above the mantelpiece of the fireplace, which is of his sister Ariana Dumbledore. That's right.
5: Yeah, this was a really sad story.
1: It's yeah. a very tragic. Yeah, it's it's always yeah. it's always sad to hear like. The fall of, like, one of your prestigious um, families. You know, all the skeletons in their closet.
4: You know, we've said it before, and we'll say it again, and it's a it's a popular adage, kids are cruel. And I think that sums up his story.
2: Yeah, when I read this, though, for the first time, and, you know, somebody could stop me here, but uh, there was some other sort of... Message. I don't know if it's really a message, but there was sort of like there's like an underlying story to what actually happened here, and um, you know, it got carried away. Quote yeah, unquote. that
1: quote. It just yeah. seems so. You know, I, I don't. There was a whole other meaning to it. Because what tell. would
2: drive you know, Albus and Aberforth's father to go and kill these. Muggles.
4: Yeah, or seriously injure them.
2: Seriously, yeah. So, makes me think that some funny business was going on.
4: Yeah, and she's such a young girl, too. She wasn't even old enough to go to Hogwarts. <laughs> and these kids caught her doing magic, demanded that she did it again, and punished her when she couldn't reproduce whatever results. I mean, that's it's really dangerous. And very tragic.
0: Um, so, Laura, how do you think this relates to your sexual abuse
5: Oh um, uh, yeah, I know. brought that up a few episodes ago, yeah. and I feel like someone kind of refuted it, and kind of I, I don't know, made me feel like maybe I'd been. Oh, wrong, that was that know, was just Andrew looking at this.
0: No, no, I liked it. <laughs> Keep going. Along.
5: But um, I don't know. Just looking at this, it makes me think that it's at least a possibility. I mean, just I, I see a really strong, you know connection between her loss of ability to control her magic or at the very least, like just her seclusion, you know, because you often hear that of, well, I mean, and I don't want to stereotype anyone here, but there is often, there are often symptoms of withdrawal when you deal with that kind of abuse. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's definitely a connection at the very least. She was, she had, you know, the crap beaten out of her, I'm assuming. Yeah, But
0: I mean, when I, I mean, read that, they got carried away. I just you know they just they just kept antagonizing her and teasing her, and it just developed into something enraged. worse and worse i I don't know mm-hmm. if it could be read as sexual abuse, although I do agree I it's, think it's possible
1: that could be a possibility. i mean uh, they then he never says how old the boys were
4: and and he doesn't need to. I mean, it's but, one of those things where, you know, Joe uses the words carried away and we're immediately stricken with bad images and very upsetting, very tragic mm-hmm. thoughts.
1: Well, because it's so watered down that y- you think it's much, much worse than, you know, the way he said well, it was. Well, I, I, I
4: think he – I think his emotions
1: mm-hmm. and how he's portrayed telling
4: the story just makes up for any kind of watered downness. I didn't think it was cheesy in
1: any way or, you know – and. No, I didn't say it was, I say it was cheesy. I I say he was just like censoring
4: it. Yeah.
2: Well, I think this is, this is another one of those situations where we've seen it throughout the book, sort of all the different undertones, whether they be political or social that exist throughout the entire series. And if you're a younger person, you're reading it on one level. If you're a little bit older, you're reading it on a completely different level.
5: Yeah, exactly. And th- I mean, this type of abuse is sadly so prevalent mm-hmm. in our society that I think a lot of uh, older readers could get that reading between Just like between um, the lines. when
4: the trio's walking on Tottenham Court Road, you know, about to go into that diner and there's some boys across the street whistling at Hermione. You know, hey, baby, come over here, you know, that sort of thing.
0: So we learn that Dumbledore's father was arrested for going after the boys who were responsible. And he sacrificed his life and freedom to protect his daughter's illness, which was very sweet. But, I mean, that's naturally what you do as a father. You're trying to look after your kids, whatever yeah, it takes. Yeah, I
4: actually had seen a, a movie. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know which it was. Maybe people can write in. But it had uh, Hayden Christensen in it, and and he was an abused child. And, and his father was uh, very angry going after the man who did it. I bring it up because, I mean, you're right. And if you listen to – or, sorry, in the chapter, it said that, uh, you know, Dumbledore's father never gave away exactly why he had attacked those muggle, you know, boys, so it's, it's kind of, you know, it's tainting the family because you look at it and you say, oh, your dad's in Azkaban for, you know, harming muggles that's not a really good sort of uh, you know, relationship for, or a tie for Dumbledore to have, who's supposed to, you know, really like muggles and stuff but on the other hand, it was, you know really good care for his family and they didn't want Ariana to be studied you know, at St. Mungo's and spend her whole life in the hospital. So, they were forced to make some really harsh decisions.
0: Aberforth goes on to explain that he thinks of himself as the favorite because he stayed at home and took care of Ariana. But he wasn't there when she had another mood burst and she killed her mother by accident. So, it's just all these little things leading up to the big kahuna, which is when Aberforth really starts getting emotional and explaining the time that Aberforth... Stood up to Albus and Grindelwald over what was it again?
5: Well, they were getting ready to go out yeah, and, and, and start their right greater good, yeah. and they oh, and,
1: and they got because Al- and- Aberforth did not want um, them to take Ariana because of her condition, and since Dumbledore was the um, the head of the house, the family at the time, he um he he told Dumbledore that she, she can't go, and then Grindelwald got upset and he used the Cruciatus Curse on him. And but that's when Doublendor tried um, tried to stop him.
0: And they had a three way duel. I guess you could call it a truel. <laughs> and
1: oh, they don't boy. they
0: don't know who did it, but someone hit Ariana and she was killed. Ari- Ariana just walked right into the middle of the fight. I was saying the Matt earlier. Wouldn't it be cool if if like Joe set up the whole story and we had to figure out who killed who? Sort of like a where in the world is Carmen San Diego sort of thing, like you just gotta look well, at I would the clues. Say it'd and be more out. like
2: Clue um, than or where clue. the world
0: is coming. <laughs> uh, well, okay. I used uh, Albus in the plug. living room. To be honest, I can't I remember in the living room with the butter knife. How you played from San Diego, I just loved it. But like, if if you gave clues and you had to decide, but the because I think Joe's a clever enough writer where she could have set up. A, a detailed situation where it could have gone in any it could have been anyone's blame but no well, there she been she made it, she, it
1: it's it's been said that um none of them know who killed her so if
0: but i'm saying what if joe wrote the story with descriptions and little clues to suggest it's like i don't I don't, I don't think it's
5: books. yeah, yeah I, I don't think, think she wanted it, you to figure it out though
1: no well, i don't no. Think, I think so i'm sort of just saying it would have been fun it would have been fun to find out how she died yeah, I mean, but she's still dead,
4: nonetheless. Yeah, that's... Actually, I don't think it would be fun. I think it's a tragic incident that we just have to move on from. We accept that she died. It caused a big rift between Dumbledore's. They never saw a die. They still don't now, except there's a great moment here where Harry tells Aberforth, well, he makes the connection back to when Dumbledore had drunk the potion last year in the cave and began screaming, don't hurt them.
1: You mm-hmm. know, well, th- 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 he was just them. telling him that j- just to know that he never forgave himself for that to happen. Because Aberforth, well, yeah, but he proves Aberforth wrong. Well, proves Aberforth wrong for what? Just uh, yeah, wrong in
4: judgment uh, as far as Dumbledore. You know, Aberforth is willing, really, is willing, really trying to test Harry and say, you know, are you sure that he's just not using you like he used everyone else? And I'm not willing to believe that he isn't using you. And and then Harry said, well, you're wrong here, and and here's why. And I just have to kind of trust that that Dumbledore is, you know as noble to me or as truthful to me as he said he is so he kind of I mean he kind of proves him wrong it's more like he just shows him that that you know at least some things of what Aberforth thinks aren't you know I mean he you know time is, has has worked against him because he's just been able to sit and, and bode about all this stuff that happened mm-hmm. in the past
1: yeah. well and also um, Aberforth um, keeps telling Harry about his brothers is always constant about the greater good but never thought about other people's safety and things and then yeah then harry retorts with this great line from the chapter he says sometimes the greater good is more important than your own safety which is absolutely true As, yeah it is so um it's interesting
0: now what what do you think this means about the potion why would dumbledore say this does it explain what drinking the potion does to you does it is it your worst memory That's what I thought.
2: I
5: would would assume it would be something like that. And remember, we were talking about, before Book 7 came out, the possibility of of it either being your worst memory or your worst fear. Yeah, you know, as soon as I said
0: this out loud, I realized that... You're right, Laura, that
5: makes sense. Yeah, and we had kind of... Speculated that possibly it was um, his worst fear of like the school getting attacked and students being tortured.
1: Mm-hmm. But
5: if it's his worst memory, this I think this would well, certainly. I be I think it. it's just
1: anything that breaks you down, you know, emotionally well, and, and just painful. destroys you. It was it's, yeah. it's probably your moment of
4: greatest pain, really, and you relive all that pain too. Because he was writhing on the floor. Dumbledore was, and it, it was it was really scary that scene in, in Half Blood Prince. I I really am interested in seeing gambin act that michael gambin Mm -hmm. act that it's got to be
1: different than you know what you see when a a dementor attacks you it's just got to be like all the more worse it it doesn't really just do whatever it wants to make you sad It, it it actually like brings out the worst in you and makes you relive all the moments that you know destroy you
4: well, I, I liked how they showed Voldemort possessing Harry in movie five. You remember it was like this black abyss with like this light shining on Voldemort in like this cloudy, you know, the the, the abyss. Do you guys remember that? And, and it would like it was like going back and forth. And when Harry was like talking to Voldemort, who was possessing him, it it, it was it was really well filmed. I thought, uh, sort of going back and forth. So so they'll definitely set things. You know, they'll 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 set things separate. And and do whatever happens to to Dumbledore differently. You know they don't necessarily have to show what he's
0: seeing, but I'm sure it'll look different. And to uh, wrap the discussion up today, Aberforth shows them a way to the castle. When Harry's like, "Well, how do we get to the castle if we can't if we if you're telling us we have to plea?" And Aberforth, conveniently enough, has a little exit, a little tunnel to Hogwarts right in his own bar. Um, and it was so. It was a different kind of portrait we've never seen before. Ariana, who's in the portrait, turns and goes down a tunnel, and then brings
1: Neville with him. That
5: was so cool. That's how the- does that work,
0: though? I mean, <laughs> did Neville w- was Neville with Ariana? Like,
1: no. I think it's. I think it's just like how um, how Dumbledore called the other portraits to their other ones. I think it's probably just like um, as Ariana appears in the other tunnel, um, it just opens it, and then Neville runs in.
4: Well, it's it's got a special connection too. I mean, Harry. I mean, when Harry's seeing this, it, it it makes that distinction between portraits which can go to their other portraits, and and this one just kind of went back in and of itself. And mm-hmm. it's explained in the next chapter, which is, I think, when I'm also going to bring up the error that happens when when this occurs. But when I first read it, <laughs> I thought, error. well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Why would the Room of Requirement have a tunnel outside Hogwarts? Why would that – that that seems like such a, a security risk, and it also seemed like a book mistake at the time. Uh, if the Room of Requirement could uh, have an extended passageway, that would be great for Sirius Black to use or, or one of those things. You know, It just seems really interesting how it was done, but it's very convenient because they need a way to get into Hogwarts, which is being completely guarded. And Neville's entrance has to be one of the best entrances in the books. Not that – Not that J.K.R. is really big on entrances, necessarily, but I think that was a great entrance.
0: It was. (laughs) I don't know. It's one of those convenient situations, Uh once again, in this this book. (sighs) All right. Well, uh, everyone knows what the end of chapter by chapter means. I've been in here about a day and a half and getting really hungry. And wishing I could get something to eat. And that's when the passage to the Hogshead opened up. It's kind of an easy one. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, so, a segment we haven't done in a while, the sorting hat. We thought it'd be very fitting to sort Aberforth this week, since that's basically... This was sort of a character discussion about Aberforth, too. Yeah. Which we used to do way back in the in the old days.
5: Oh, character discussions. Yeah, they Those were were so fun.
0: So I don't know what do you guys think about Aberforth. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna say Gryffindor.
5: Yeah, it's, that's what I would I say know. too. Just because they're related,
1: right? Exactly.
5: Mm. <laughs> I yeah, guess. that's easy. He Families. does have
1: Slytherin qualities, though. Slytherin.
5: Well, so does everyone, everyone though. Does. Everyone has qualities of all the houses. It just depends on which ones are strongest.
1: Um, but I, I think- mean, he when when he said, "Save yourself," I thought Slytherin. Because that's one of the Slytherin's biggest qualities is they always think for themselves. Well no, you gotta think Yeah. But he was also standing up to the death eaters. He was, was also a member
2: of the Order of the Phoenix, so I don't know how many oh, members yeah. of Slytherin were In the
4: order oh, of the I, I'm
1: not saying that he is a Slytherin, I'm just I'm just saying he had, you know, other qualities besides just Gryffindor. I think the Just because his brother is
0: I think everyone
1: does.
4: Yeah. So. Well, I mean the the thing about Aberforth too is that he's fueled mostly by his love for his sister who was departed. I mean, mostly, I mean how he feels about his brother uh, Albus is all about sort of what happened in relation to his sister and he didn't feel Albus properly handled that. And so, he's fueled by love, m- you know, more or less. Well,
2: and was he really in school or did he spend all his time taking care of his sister?
1: Well, no, oh, no I think wasn't he in school when his sister had that her f- her final um, blow when she killed her mother. Yeah,
5: yeah, and he also said that when they were getting ready to go on their um, little extravaganza, Dumbledore and Grindelwald, that he was getting ready to go back to Hogwarts. he didn't want
4: to. He tried convincing Albus to let him stay home. He said, school's stupid. You know, I'll take care of Arianna full time. And Albus said, no, you need your studies, and sent him to school, where Albus then just proceeded to go off with Grindelwald and kind of neglect Arianna a little bit. Which is what what Aberforth said he'd he'd never do. So I, you know, I think given that Aberforth is is fueled by love, and when it comes down to it, he's not afraid to face the Death Eaters. He handles it so well, you know, very crassly, very, you know, cleverly. I I, very clever.
0: I think I'd put him in to Gryffindor. Me too. Well, I think we all agree on Gryffindor. He's got a good heart. So uh, here's another segment we haven't done in a while. This week in MuggleCast history. Now, um, most of you may remember a couple of weeks ago we did the segment. We were planning to do it weekly, but then we sort of forgot about it. So we're gonna do it again this week. <laughs> um, so we'll just start doing the little do 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 things, and we'll go back in time. All right. So everyone has to do it, or else this isn't gonna just, work. This okay? Wayne's World style. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, ready? So on three, one,
1: two, three. Don't
0: forget, buy okay. a MuggleCast t-shirt. Why must they buy a MuggleCast t-shirt?
4: Well, because poverty is a horcrux. That's right. Poverty as we know it is a horcrux oh, and gosh. therefore must be stopped. Buy an MCT and defeat Voldemort. Also, as a result of a hasty agreement between us and JKR, a portion of our MuggleCast t-shirt revenue goes to supplying JKR with lined paper for her home in Edinburgh. You all heard what happened when she ran out. Book 7 was almost delayed a year just for that. Buy a MuggleCast t-shirt and supply
0: JKR with lined paper. Thank you. I reread that uh, that little entry on her site the other day, and I was thinking, huh, we should have uh, started a little drive for <laughs> this is, this is... <laughs> Submit your paper, and we would, we would just send her this box load of papers sent from everyone. <laughs> you, know, you know, it's not like she doesn't have done the money. Oh
4: my god, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but the fact is it's donated from us. All right, so, starting.
1: So, oh my you guys sounded so young. Andrew, you sound so different. I sounded so nasally. Ugh, it was gross. (laughs) That was from episode
0: thirty-eight. That was that was from episode thirty-eight from May seventh, two thousand and six. Yeah, two thousand six. So almost so two years ago. Um. Yeah, I sounded nasally, and Eric, you definitely had that scripted. Uh. Yeah. That was yeah. definitely planned. No offense. No, I, it no, was no. Good. I, I <laughs> just, completely agree. It just exactly sounded <laughs> Yeah, scripted. it was. Um,
4: I was surprised to hear, and sorry, I blurted it out, but I was surprised to hear Ben. You know, on the on the show. Oh God! Yeah. At, you know, two years ago is when he was on the show.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, he was last yeah, year. I yeah. mean, he wasn't. It's not like he completely. That wasn't his last episode. There. The other interesting thing about that episode is that um, that was when we first announced the MuggleCast. Uh, the International Wear Your MuggleCast T-Shirt Day, and that's actually coming up. It's um, gee, I should have looked it up, but I think it, it's it's early June. So everyone, uh, put your MuggleCast T-shirts in the wash and get ready for uh, International MuggleCast T-Shirt Day. Let's see.
5: Oh, it's June second. June
0: second. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Laura. I'll, yeah. I'll you're do right. a little post you're about right. that on uh, MC tomorrow. And, um, moving along, our segment contest winner, we premiered, uh, third place last week, so, uh, Matt's ready with place number two.
1: Um, okay. yeah. I am. Uh, okay, so, we are up to second place on the Create Your Own Mogulcast segment, and we got all the votes in and everything, so, we have come to second place, and, our. Uh, um, uh, what? hello, Andrew, are you are going to give me a drum
0: oh. roll?
1: It is Lindsay Ellis and her sister, Rennie, and they talk about, um, food in the the Potter Ooh, series. that's fun. Yeah. So let's play now.
6: Hi, I'm Rennie Ellis. And I'm Lindsay Ellis. And we're sisters from Newton, Massachusetts. Today we'd like to talk about the impact of food in the Harry Potter series. The food that the characters partake of can add symbolism to a scene, can act as a catalyst for events, and can even give clues to the reader about the characters eating it.
3: In her Harry Potter series, J.K. Rowling uses food as a motif to a great effect. Rowling fills her magical worlds with the victuals her characters consume, and utilizes them to su- subtly guide the reader's perceptions of the characters eating them.
6: By continually
3: speaking of the food that the characters eat and make, Rowling adds a certain realism to
6: her otherwise fantastical plot lines. The food described in the Harry Potter series completes the world. The first instance of anything being eaten in the Harry Potter series occurs at the very beginning of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, when Dumbledore begins to eat lemon drops while he and Professor McGonagall wait on Private Drive for Hagrid to arrive with Harry.
3: Then McGonagall declines Dumbledore's office for this suite very coldly, like she didn't think that this was the moment for lemon drops, the fact that Dumbledore enjoys what is a simple muggle candy signifies much about his character. At this point in
6: the story, the reader knows very little about Dumbledore and the party he has to play in the saga. However, Dumbledore Dumbledore's love of lemon drops later marks him as a somebody with unusual taste for a wizard, as well as welcoming of things non-magical. When compared to the muggle-baiting and quest to root out muggle-borns in the later books, it is a comfort to the reader to know that Dumbledore was accepting towards what others might deem products by, made by a lesser race at the very start of the books.
3: One of the first main contrasts between the wizarding world and the muggle world occurs with the food in Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. At the start of the book, it falls to to an 11-year-old Harry to cook his cousin Dudley's birthday breakfast. Rowling makes it clear that the Dursleys don't feed Harry properly. They didn't exactly starve Harry, but he'd never been allowed to eat as much as he'd liked. When trying to escape Harry's Hogwarts letters, Vernon Dursley purchases only a bag of chips and four bananas for dinner, despite the fact that the entire family is very hungry. Comparatively, when Haggard arrives to introduce Harry to the more magical side of things, he brings Harry both a large, sticky chocolate cake and six fat, juicy, slightly burnt sausages. Haggard's purpose is to give Harry his Hogwarts letter, but Rowling also uses this occasion to inform the reader of the better nourishment Harry is to receive at Hogwarts. By the second book, Harry and the reader are much more familiar with the ins and outs of all things wizard. However, However, at this point in time, both Harry and the reader have yet to experience what a typical wizarding family, such as the Weasleys, is like outside of, of Hogwarts. At the start of his stay with Ron's family, Harry is welcomed into the Weasley family with open arms. Despite her initial anger at finding that Harry had arrived at the Burrow via a legal flying car, Mrs. Weasley focuses her energy on filling him up with delicious food, such as sausages and bread and butter. These are very caring things to do for a boy Mrs. Weasley has only met twice. Again, Rowling uses the food to foreshadow a relationship between the two characters. Mrs. Weasley becomes the closest thing to a mother Harry has in the series. And though their connection begins around food, it quickly begins to grow to much more. In Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, Rowling utilizes food as medicine for the first time.
6: As you all know, Dementors have come to guard Hogwarts against Sirius Black, and Harry, who has had perhaps the most traumatic life of anybody at Hogwarts save Neville Longbottom, becomes overwhelmed by his worst memories when near them. To help those affected by the Dementors, Rowling pens that the best remedy is chocolate. On the Hogwarts Express, after passing out for the first time, that's the food that Remus Lupin gives him, and after Harry eats it, he feels this great warmth spread to the tips of his fingers and toes. The readers Recognize chocolate as a common comfort food and can sympathize with Harry's improved disposition through his consumption of
3: the candy. Clearly, the reader will never experience a Dementor, but Rowling has made the cure for Dementor-induced sickness, something that everyone can appreciate.
6: Due to the law against underage magic outside of Hogwarts, Harry is unable to magically rebel against the Dursleys while at Privet Drive during the summer. However, in Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, he finds a much more satisfying way to fight back. In this book, Dudley has become really fat (laughs) and has therefore been put on a strict diet. Breakfast for everyone is only a quarter of a grapefruit. However, Harry's friends take pity on him and send him sugar-free snacks, homemade rock cakes, enormous fruit cake, pastries, and four superb birthday cakes. Yum. As he gets older, Harry no longer does everything that the Dursleys tell him to do, and by making Harry disobey their dietary orders, Rowling calls attention to his growing independence from them.
3: The relationship between Neville and his mother is uh, emphasized by the food-related gifts she gives him in Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Oh, uh, you see, Alex Lo- Alice Lo-
6: Alice Longbottom, oh my goodness, I can't even talk, who along with her husband has been tortured into insanity, resides in the long-term ward at St. Mungo's Hospital for Magical Maladies and Injuries. When Harry and his friends stumble upon this ward, they're just in time to see Neville and his grandmother leaving. Neville's mother, who looks thin and worn, I think, and she's also described with over large eyes, gives him an empty Drubles Blowing Gum wrapper as he's leaving. The- the other Mrs. Longbottom counsels him to sort of just throw it out. Harry is sure that he sees Neville put the wrapper in his pocket to save it.
3: After the harm inflicted upon Mrs. Longbottom by Bellatrix Lestrange, Alice Longbottom shows her love for Neville in the only way that she still can. Her present is representative of the only pleasure she has left in life, chewing gum, and she wants to share it with her son. The first feast of the year is always a large one for the student
6: at Hogwarts. Unfortunately, in Harry Potter and the Half Blood Prince, due to a full body bind curse put on him by Malfia, Boy. Harry misses the first half of the meal As he gets there He goes across Run to get a couple chicken legs And a handful of chips But before he can take them They vanish Instead, Harry has to eat dessert for dinner Watching these this food vanish Is sort of symbolic of what happens in the book Harry loses a lot of things This is the same book where Dumbledore dies And, you know, Harry's always trying to get things And he just doesn't right. quite get there yeah. Again, with like the locket, you know He gets the locket, but it's the wrong
3: locket yeah. In the final book, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows it's the that quite literally lacks the most in food. While in Harry, Ron,
6: and Hermione are attempting to find the Horcruxes to destroy them, they quickly realize that when they're full, it's better to traveling. When they're not full, well, they fight a lot.
3: As they have no leads to the Horcruxes and begin to fight against themselves. Food is something that was never an issue through Harry's years at Hogwarts, and this newfound lack of it parallels the destruction of the old Wizarding World as Voldemort takes power. As muggle boards are rounded up, people are murdered,
6: dark forces take power and wizards begin to ignore what is good and what is right, basic needs of the protagonists are similarly ignored. So, finally, in creating the Wizard of World of Harry Potter, Rowling has had to imagine every little aspect of the series.
3: Food is a constant thought throughout the series, and thus Rowling's consistent use of it to both feed the characters and explain about the wizarding world is quite appropriate. We hope you enjoyed our podcast.
0: Alright, great job, girls, and you will be going home with second prize, which is the $25 gift to it at- Which is a $25 gift card to Olivons, Olivons.com. You can go there to get wands, house sweaters, ties, robes, whatever you want related to the wonderful world of of Harry Potter. Got a $25 gift card. So congrats to them. And next week, we'll be back with first place, right, Matt? Yeah, first place. You know, third, second, first. Going to be a big one. (laughs) All right. So we're going to do the huh segment uh, email of the week. But, Mikey, you want to? You want to impress everyone with your impersonation of me? No. Uh, oh, yeah,
2: yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's time for Andrews' huh? email of the week. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Damn, Micah, that was good. That's you good, did. right? Yeah. Yeah, man. Jeez, I never thought you could escape that that voice of yours, but apparently, <laughs> well, oh, you've always uh, you've done the chipmunk to too. chipmunk, yeah, yeah. So, so you want to read it? No, I think you should. All right. It's from Maria 19. of your email. Yeah, that's true. It's from Maria 19 of Ohio. She writes, hey, it's Maria. Many of the listeners out there are dying to know the following. Religion, slanted face. Single or taken, big smiley face. Harry Potter or a different series, smiley face with tongue out of mouth. Elise or Laura, eyes pointing into nose. (gasps) Just letting you know what the fans want to know. And you're not allowed to say, I don't know, or something like, I like them the same. You must pick one. X eyes, big smiley uh, face. Okay, thanks. Love the show. Maria. Huh? Um, so for religion, I don't know. Are we really want- answering no. these questions? No. Wait, oh. wait,
5: wait. Can, can, can I just... um? Why is it that... And it's not just with the show, but in general, women are more focused on and criticized than men because why are we comparing just elisa and laura last time i checked there are about six other guys involved with this show and that never seen it's never you know andrew or matt or like you never see that but now that now that elisa's on the show people are like elisa or laura who do you like better what
4: Laura, you can't expect them to choose between us, guys, right, men? Yeah, right. <laughs> you're, you're darn
5: right there, yeah.
0: Eric. Yeah, I'm a man. <laughs> um, I
6: shave. <laughs>
0: yeah, but no.
4: Harry Potter or a different series? Okay, we're on one uh, 144, aren't we? <laughs> Episode 144. I think uh, I think we prefer a different series. Yeah.
0: So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you.
1: It's very, it's, it's, very it's very kind of demanding questions. too. these questions. Yeah. You have to answer because This is what all the fans. I mean, it's, not, it's it's almost like it's an official email and, from and all the fans. You can't say
2: that and you don't I, know.
1: You can't say you don't know.
5: And I can't say I get too many p- emails from people asking me my religion or whether I'm single or taken or like. Yeah. Uh, so. <sighs>
4: Sorry, but not even my workplace employers are allowed to ask me some of these questions. And, by the way, taken. Uh,
0: Ooh. Ooh, That was a shocker there. Chicken soup for your soul. Finals edition! Comes from Anita, 19 of Arkansas. Hello, Mugglecasters. I decided to send in a chicken soup while working finals. Thanks for keeping me sane, by the way. But this isn't about finals. I guess I shouldn't have called it Files Edition. I just wanted to say thank you for helping me become a better listener and even a better speaker. You see, I've had... I've had moderate hearing loss in both ears since birth. This causes a problem when I'm in class listening to a lecture, or at least try to. I don't pick up on words sometimes, even with hearing aids. It's frustrating because I may have missed an important part of the lecture or instructions for an assignment. It also affects how I speak. However, since listening from day one, two years ago, I've been able to pick up on words easier than before, and pronunciation of certain words have become clearer and easier as well. So thank you, guys. That's wonderful. It's a unique way. Um, a, a, a unique purpose for the show. I have to admit, I've become a better speaker after being on the show. I think I, I we all have. At the beginning, like I would, I would always trip over my words, and now it's just during the contact information. I feel when like I'm Feel like we've all become
5: through. far more polished. What's that? I, I feel like we've all become far more polished. Yeah, definitely. Throughout the definitely. production of the show,
0: yeah. So, well, Mikey, you had radio experience before coming into this. This is just like, you know,
5: no, i mean, day.
0: Another day at the grind for you. (laughs)
2: Not really. It was was just (laughs) fun radio. It wasn't serious or
0: anything like that. Yeah. Well, Uh, neither is this. That's (laughs) true, but our audience is a little bit larger for this. What's that? You didn't do like the morning zoo radio? You know, like, oh, Micah Tannenbaum at your morning zoo, 8.58, let's go to
1: traffic. No, I can't say that. Why why do you go to traffic for a zoo announcement?
0: The morning zoo—that's what the the radio the radio shows called Z one hundred. Yeah, like and they play all the cheesy sound effects and stuff. They call people and uh, play do pranks, pranks and on. stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
4: Dude, that's not cool.
0: Anyway, that's well, uh, we're gonna wrap hilarious. up this. Sh- it is it is usually hilarious. Um, but we are gonna wrap up the show today, and but before we do that, we wanted to take a moment to address a lot of regular concerns or questions that we get when we release new episodes, because we've been getting them a lot lately. And people just, they're simple answers, but we can't keep up with all the emails and questions on the forums and the comments and all that. So first of all, um, you guys want to talk about one of these first? Just one of you.
4: Yeah, okay, I guess we get um, a few emails uh, (laughs) saying that... uh, People, new listeners to the show who have just recently subscribed to us through iTunes, are not seeing and cannot find the older MuggleCast episodes. Uh, You know, when they click on iTunes, they try and get previous episodes, um, but they're only able to get the last nine or ten. Well, this is actually because I I think isn't it the default on the uh, podcasting feed? We're only keeping the the most recent ten episodes on our actual iTunes MuggleCast feed. It's a it's a bandwidth issue. Um, and we can only really keep the past 10. So, but what you may not know, and this is why we're getting these emails is that all of the shows are actually available on mugglecast.com. If you go to mugglecast.com and click up at the top where it says episodes, um, you'll be able to see all the episodes, basically one through 144 in reverse order, and you'll be able to download them there. Now it does take a few more steps, than as if they were on the feed, but it's perfectly fine. All the MP3s already have tags on them and they're already, you know, sort of appropriate for all that stuff. So yeah.
0: the yeah. one thing with that, however, is that it will not go in your podcast section of your iPod right. or within iTunes. And as of right now, there's not a way to do that. However, lately I've been thinking that maybe once we stop doing weekly episodes, we'll make a master feed. And maybe we could set it somehow so iTunes doesn't regularly check it, and it would just have every single episode. Because I know Damon has copies of every file on the server, backups, dating back like the past two or three years. So I think if I asked him for it, I could patch together all the items in the feed and just make one master feed, which would actually be pretty cool. Even though it would be a gigantic file. So, um...
2: Well, can't you download the show and and put it into iTunes and transfer it to your iPod? You can't do that.
0: Yeah, you can do that. It just won't go into the podcast area of uh, your iPod, right? In yeah, fact, and well, I it, mean,
2: there's other means too. It, yeah. You can actually listen to it, which which is something that I do sometimes when I when I'm working. You know, um, on the weekends is just play, hit the listen live button on mm-hmm. the site, and it just yeah. pops open Podtrack, which is you know a cool feature as well. Yeah.
0: Yes.
4: Now, yeah, it is. do they show more recent, or sorry, older episodes than the past 10?
0: No. Okay. That only shows 10. Yeah. Okay. Um, and one other thing that we get complaints about every week, people in the comments on mugglenet.com will go, it's not showing up in the feed yet. I don't see it. Now, unless I have this wrong, I'm pretty sure it will show up on the feed for everyone. What you have to do is you have to click subscribe. There's a link on every news post. I say, it says subscribe through iTunes. When you click that link that's on mugonet.com, it will lead you to our directory listing on iTunes. You have to press the subscribe button to get the latest episode as soon as it's released. If you're just looking at the list in the iTunes store, then you will not see the new episode. For some reason it doesn't show up. It, it usually takes like a day to show up in the iTunes store. But if you press subscribe, it will automatically recheck the feed your feed, and it will download the latest episode that we've just released. So please do that. Make sure you're doing that first before complaining that it's not showing up on the feed. Maybe I'm completely wrong, and for some reason, people, on some people's feeds, it's not showing up. It may be a server thing. I don't know. Mm. There is, but uh, Andrew, hopefully that. Solves
4: Andrew, it. There is also a time delay between the time when you make the news post on the site and when it shows up on iTunes. Sometimes, just generally, you know, because you're still in the working. iTunes Store. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm saying, isn't there? Like, you know, I mean, I always kind of go to MuggleCast.com first. You know, as opposed to waiting for a post on MuggleNet. What What sort of order do you do? So, if we want MuggleCast when it first comes out, oh my god. First person ever. I,
0: I update I update all the files on MuggleCast.com first. The very last thing I always do is make the news post on MuggleNet.
4: Okay, so you sh- we should be That's going always to MuggleCast if we want it first, first.
0: Yeah, but I mean, really, it's a difference of like five minutes. Oh, We're yeah. Nine, yeah, you yeah know. Of course. I understand how some people are going nuts. And if you check the Twitter, I'll also do that very last. So um I think that does does it for the show today. We just want to remind everyone about the contact information. Laura, what's the P.O. Box?
5: It's P.O. Box 3151, coming Georgia 30028.
0: You can also call the MuggleCast hotline. We'll get back to voicemails next week. If you're in the United States, you can dial one 2 20 magic If you're in the United Kingdom, you can dial 20 And if you're in Australia, you can dial zero two eight double three five 5668 You can also Skype the username MuggleCast. Just remember, no matter how you call us, Remember to keep your message under 60 seconds and eliminate as much background noise as possible. And uh, send us some good questions, because we'll be getting to voicemails next week. Also, you can use uh, MuggleCast.com to get a handy feedback form to contact any one of us, or just use our first name at staff.mugglenet.com. Also visit MuggleCast.com for a variety of contact links and inclu- uh, community outlets, I mean, including the MySpace, Facebook, YouTube, Frapper, Last.fm, fanlisting forums. Follow us on Twitter, dig the show at dig.com, and vote for us once a month at Podcast Alley. And uh, that does it for us this week. Once again, I'm Andrew Sims. I'm Eric Skull.
5: I'm Laura Thompson.
0: I'm Mike Gattabell. And I'm Matthew Britton. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll see you next week for episode 145. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.
5: Bye.
2: Because, oh, how, are you
0: still recording, Andrew? Yeah, what, you want to do the huh? Yeah. Yeah, I was just thinking about that <laughs> That's why it that works. Uh,
2: because I could do an imperfect, what, what do you want to say? Because I can do yeah. a perfect impersonation of Andrew's, mm-hmm. and then you'll say huh, email of the week. What
0: if you worked huh into like, because, hmm, well, I guess that would work. It's up to you. Uh, oh, wait,
2: well, what about the... B-
0: How about, like, because because Eric's number crunching makes us go, huh, <laughs> this is... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Okay. Be because... kidding.
4: <laughs> the other suggestion was about the big tent, I guess. You know, because the big tent's going over Disneyland. The big tent. Ooh. Or whatever it is.
0: Yeah, that wasn't... I mean, that was just my... Actually, I think that's a, a good merger,
4: thing. that huh, segment, and the...
0: Yeah, yeah, let's do that. Alright, you ready? Yep. Probably not, but good.
2: <laughs> you have to be. Good. I'm ready. All right. Because Eric's number crunching makes us go huh? This is Muggle Cast, episode one hundred and forty four for May fourth, two thousand and eight.